0: This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for August twenty fifth, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Today's Gospel lesson, we have a story that is only told in the Gospel of Luke. It's in no other Gospel. It's the only place that we have it for. And that's one reason, by the way, why we have four Gospels included in the Scriptures as opposed to just one, is because each one of them has some stories that are unique to the author that wrote them. And that doesn't make it any less, any different or somehow they made it up or something, it's just that was a story from Jesus' life that they chose to pick out, to tell. And so in this story, it's interesting, it says Jesus was in the synagogue teaching on the Sabbath. Well, that wasn't too odd. I mean, we see him doing that a lot. But what is interesting, this is the last time, at least in the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus will ever teach in a synagogue. From this point forth, he won't go back into synagogues anymore. He will only teach out of doors or at the uh, temple in the portico, um, or he'll teach his disciples gathered around for a meal or something. But he doesn't go back into the synagogues. And so he's there teaching, which we would probably call preaching, but talking about the scriptures. And as he is there, this old woman comes in. And it says that for 18 years, she has been bent over, not able to stand upright. Now, the Greek word that's used there says that she had a disease that doubled her over, literally. So that meant she walked like this. You couldn't see much if you did that, could you? I guess you'd get a good look at everybody's shoes. That'd be about it. And what's interesting about it is when she comes in, because if Jesus is already teaching, that means they've already had the prayers, the opening prayers of the synagogue. They've already you know, done the, the canticles and things that they would chant, and they've already read the lesson. And so basically she comes in in the middle of the sermon, the church. So on top of you know, being bent over, she's late. And, you know, women weren't really very highly regarded in Jewish society. As a matter of fact, if you go to Israel, there's a synagogue in Capernaum where Jesus stayed with Peter. And you'll see that the men were on the first floor, and the women were on, in the balcony up above with the children. They would segregate them. Some synagogues separated them side by side. Um, it depended on where they were. So she comes in, and if somebody walks in the door late, and they walked in like that, what do you think would happen? Everybody's going, what in the world? Now, it's a town, so they know who she is, and you would think they would know why she was late. Imagine how hard it would be to get up and going. Um, You know, that's the only way you could stand, would be like that. That'd be difficult. And so Jesus stops his teaching and calls her to him, which is also taboo. She's not supposed to be with the men, she's supposed to be with the women. You know, and the children, what's she doing down here? Jesus wasn't too concerned about that. And so he calls her to him. And he says, woman, your ailment is healed. And then he lays his hand on her. And it says immediately she stood straight up and was praising God for what he had done. Now today we would probably recognize the disease as a severe form of scoliosis. You know, that had just crippled her in it. And Jesus, in the middle of the sermon, just says, woman, your ailment has been healed. And she or she is praising God. And did you notice what the reaction of the Pharisees and the rabbis in the place was? They were ticked. I mean, they were really mad. And who did they talk to? This is what's fascinating. Did they address Jesus? They talked to the crowd. Don't you people go coming in here to get healed on the Sabbath? What's the matter with you? You know, I guess they didn't want anybody getting any ideas. You know, they're gonna turn the service into some charismatic service or something, they didn't want that going on. But they're telling the crowd, not Jesus. But what they're really upset about is that they have violated a commandment. You know, Jesus has violated a commandment, the woman's violated a commandment by allowing it to happen. You know, remember which commandment it was? Which number? What number? Uh, reminds me when I was in seminary, we, we had to take content quizzes um, and for our graduation exam and to be ordained. And one of the things you had to do is list the Ten Commandments. So the joke around seminary is you only forget the ones you commit all the time. So don't ask me which one I could, well, forgot. <laughs> it's not good. The, um, and so it, it's the Fifth Commandment. And so they're in direct violation because Jesus is known throughout the region as a healer and a miracle worker predominantly. I mean, that was when people said, what does he do for a living? Well, he goes around healing people and performing miracles. I mean, that, that's what it's about. And oftentimes that's why crowds would come flocking to him. Well, as far as they're concerned, that's this guy's job. And he has now violated the Sabbath day. He has not kept it holy. He has worked. And that's atrocious. That's atrocious. And so, you know, they're denouncing this behavior as being anti-Jewish, anti-God. You know, you can almost hear them as Anglicans, can't you? We've never done it that way before. (laughs) So it's not allowed. Well, Jesus then, seeing the crowds, would kind of... Caught in the middle. Don't you love it when you're in the congregation and there gets to be a fight between the two priests or something? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? And uh, and you're all sitting there going, "Oh, was anyway. <laughs> And uh, so and he turns to them though and says, "You hypocrites." Now that's not quite as harsh as what it means when we say it, um, but it um because back then they didn't know that it meant that because we made it. You know, Jesus is calling them that is what made it mean that. What it really was a hypocrite was a person who was an actor. So it would essentially, in today's time, it would be like saying, you Hollywood movie star. Now, if you think about it, that could be as bad. <laughs> it is possible. but you know, And because actors were people who played pretend roles, they pretended to be someone other than who they really were. And so he's pointing them out to be nothing but a bunch of actors playing at church, or in this case, synagogue, so that they can, you know, it over everybody. And he says, you know, if your ox or donkey is thirsty, do you make them wait until Monday to get something to drink? Or do you take them out of the stall, you know, in time, and take them over to the pond? Well, of course you take them over to the pond. That's okay, because it's your donkey, but you don't care about this woman at all. As far as you're concerned, she's nothing. And it says that they were shamed uh, because of what he had said. Because see, they they were so concerned with keeping the law pure and protecting the law that they forgot to care about the people. You know, we can be in danger of that sometimes too. We get so concerned about the task at hand that we forget about the relationships. We just run over people. Or we become so worried about protecting various institutions that the church has. And so what do we do? We end up, you know, putting them as a yoke upon people, a burden, rather than something that is uplifting and encouraging. So let's talk a little bit about what, what they're specifically talking about: is keeping the Sabbath day holy. What day is the Sabbath day? How many people thought it was Sunday? Okay, I thought it was for a long time, till in seminary actually. But um, is I? actually not? It's a different kind of day. So why is it Saturday? It's the seventh day. We just like seventh days. (laughs) It's the day God rested. And that's what the Sabbath is really about. It's about a day of rest. It's about how important it is to honor ourselves by taking a day of rest. In our family, we don't call it a day of rest. We call it a down day. You know what a down day is? That's the day where it doesn't really matter if you get out of your pajamas or not. (laughs) you're not going anywhere, you're not having anybody in, you know, you, you want to do nothing all day long because you just need a break, a rest. Well, the commandment is that you're supposed to do this once every week. We don't seem to be doing too well at that, do we? We've totally lost the concept. Anybody here remember Blue Laws? Remember when they started opening stores on Sunday? If you live near a Jewish community, they also started opening on Saturday but if you only live in a predominantly Christian area, it was, they were open on Saturday already, but they were open on Sunday. I can remember when that happened in Louisville. I was working at Kroger's, and oh, the hue and cry rose up. It was so horrible. We are destroying the fabric of American society. Kroger's is going to be open on Sunday. What is the world coming to? It's all over. <laughs> now, I will say, in fairness, that we have somewhat destroyed the fabric of American society, but it's not because Kroger's is open on Sunday. It's really more what we do with the convenience of having these things open all the time. And that's what we forget to keep the Sabbath day holy. And the saddest part about that is that when we forget to keep the Sabbath day holy, then we're really forgetting to honor ourselves. We're forgetting to take care of ourselves. Because we're made in the image of God. And apparently it was important to have some time when you turn off the world and veg out so that you can go face it again. And I'll say, in my experience, of course, with people I know mostly, clergy are, at the, are the worst at this. I mean, they're just terrible. And we have all sorts of great excuses like, well, you know, I'm on call 24 hours a day. And, uh, but in all honesty, you might not get to do it on a Saturday because there might be a wedding, you have to preach the next day, whatever. But that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to take time to relax and to get away from it. A lot of times people ask me why I take all my vacation at one time in the summer. That's so I can get away from you people. (laughs) Not that I don't like you, it's just that it takes me about a week and a half, two weeks to quit thinking about everything um, where I can finally turn off my brain and just go back to being me again. And so it's important to have a down day. And when we don't have that down day, we get more and more frazzled. You see that in the world. You know, it's amazing. We have all these conveniences that they didn't have 100 years ago. Or even, let's go back a little further, 150 years ago. They didn't have any of this. And wouldn't you think that we'd have more time than they had? I mean, imagine if you had to get up every morning. The first thing you had to do was bake bread. So you had to get flour and all the you know, stuff out. And, to, well, you know, and the women all did that. The kids helped. The younger kids helped. And the older kids and the, the father would go out and milk the cow you know, get eggs from the chickens, You know, get everything ready, bring it all back in. Usually by the time they were done, breakfast was ready. They would eat breakfast. The older kids and dad would go back out and start working in the fields. And mom and the little kids would start cleaning up everything. By the time they got done with all that, guess what it was time to start doing? Starting to get ready for lunch. Now, we have microwaves and frozen dinners and all this sort of stuff, but we're more stressed out than they ever were. Of course, they didn't have to run five different kids to five different sporting events (laughs) at the time. But do we? I mean, do we have to? And it's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's a good thing to do. But it's not good if we do it at our own expense. Because what will ultimately happen is that we will become so depressed that bad things will happen. We'll get ulcers, we'll get colitis, we'll become depressed just get downright irritable and mean, usually to the people we like the most. And and life gets chaotic, all because we don't want to honor the Sabbath. Now, the other thing that happens here, though, because there's two sides of it, is honoring ourselves by a day of rest. But Jesus also is changing um, that equation, not by deleting from it, but by adding to it. Anybody here know why we go to church on Sundays? Why don't we go on Saturdays if, if Saturday is the Sabbath? Sunday's the Lord's day. It, he's claimed it, it belongs to Him. It's a day when we remember that He conquered death. And so we go to church not because if you don't go to church, you violated the fifth commandment. That's not true. didn't anything to do with church. They didn't even have a church when they had that. It has to do with honoring God. Now that's in the commandments. So if you don't go to church to give glory and praise to God, which commandment are you violating? First one. That's where the problem comes in. Now I have to be honest with you, I didn't grow up in church, so I'm somewhat amazed that anybody goes to church um, because it's a very difficult institution to belong to. There are people there. And they have opinions. And they're usually not right unless, of course, they agree with mine in which case they're always right, but at least that's the way we think, isn't it? You know, and and you have personalities that conflict, different ideas, as people want to try different things, we step on each other. You know, it can be a a messy place to be, just like that synagogue was. But what we forget is that we're not going to church for that. We're going to church to honor God. You know, imagine if they were having a a 100th birthday party for your grandmother, and they were going to have this big birthday party. The family's supposed to come to honor her because she's 100 years old. And you say, I can honor her from home. <laughs> what do you think grandma thinks about that? That doesn't really work too well, does it? Because we forget it's about relationships. And part of the problem is that the church has done this to people. We've sort of beat it into people. Thou shalt go to church. I remember when I was a kid, um, I would call up my friends sometimes on Sunday afternoon. I didn't go to church, but I knew they'd gotten home. And so I'd give them a call and say, hey, let's go out and do this. And they go, I can't. They went, what? Well, I had a stomach ache this morning, so I didn't go to church. Well, are you still sick? No. So let's go play. Well, I can't, because if I don't go to church, I can't do anything. Now, anybody else have those rules that if you didn't go to church in the morning, you didn't go do anything? Did it make you just really, really love church and want to be in church? Probably not. <laughs> it made you dread the consequences of not going to church, but it didn't really make you want to be there. And, and too often the church does that. We set up these rules and these boundaries as ways of, of um, fencing people in and corralling them and using them to control them as opposed to helping them to understand how important it is to honor God for all that He's done for us. Because it has to do with that relationship. I suppose you could sit at home and think about Grandma being 100 and think about all the wonderful things and times you've had with her. But I don't think it's going to be the same thing as going there and seeing her. And all too often, that's what has become now, is that we've begun to see church as optional. Well, in all honesty, it's a volunteer organization. Of course It's optional. I mean, you don't have the police come and get you if you didn't go to church. Hey, you don't even have us come and get you if you didn't come to church. But shouldn't we want to honor God? And what does it say about our faith if we don't? You know, all too often we're so tied up in this rat race that we live in that we forget about the relationships. And when we do that, when we stop honoring ourselves, by having a Sabbath, and when we stop honoring God by giving Him praise and glory, then our life gets out of whack, and it doesn't work very well anymore because we're being driven by the same rat race that the rest of the world's living in. See, the real reason why we go to church on Sunday morning and why we take a day of rest is so that we can keep our priorities straight, so that we can remember who and whose we are. And honestly, if you don't want to go to church, don't. Have you ever had anybody come to a party for you, but they were mad about it? They didn't want to be there? No? You ever been in anything where somebody had to go to it and they didn't want to go? You don't have teenagers? (laughs) I I can't imagine that not interfering with a teenager's life. But... um, no, oh, this is our family, and it's what we do. Is it much fun to have people around you who, okay, I came, but I don't like it? So, what do you think God thinks about it? Wouldn't it be better if we remembered why we needed to?